This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. Comic Book Click is on Patreon, guys. For as little as $0.10 cents a day or $3 a month, not only can you help keep the lights on here at Comic Book Click headquarters, but your donation gives you access to exclusive content like CBC commentaries, polls where you can choose what content we cover next, and special behind-the-scenes footage of things here at Comic Book Click. Visit Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse today and become a Patreon. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, it's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I am never alone. Sir, if you could please introduce yourself. I am Dan the Vacation Man. Dan the Vacation Man, because he is on vacation, Dan the Comic Book Man is actually in studio for the first live time. Live in studio, George. Absolutely crazy. Live in studio for the first time since... Like a vote Loki? Because yeah. that was the last live show? Yeah, about nine months. And um, you're here for a, for a good reason. You know, when this episode drops, it will be the very first episode of the Netflix... Oh, Disney Plus, I should say. Oh, um, yeah, Disney Plus. Disney Plus Moon Knight series that is supposed to be, uh, you know, basically introducing the character. Oh, by to- this time, by this time, it drops the show will already be out. At least that first episode will have been out. Oh, snap. Yeah. So the whole idea is that, you know, after years of kind of comic book obscurity, uh, Moon Knight's getting introduced to a brand new set of fans who probably never heard of the character before. Um, and we have been watching all the promotional stuff leading up to it. It looks extremely interesting. And when we were thinking about what to cover around the you know premiere of this show, because we'll be covering the show in full once all the episodes drop. But we were thinking about what story we should cover. And considering that we've been on a little bit of a Lemire Palooza late, recently, reading a lot of Jeff Lemire stuff, we decided to tackle the... Um, the Jeff Lemire run of Moon Knight, which I think not only gives you a great idea of the character and evolves it to, to a point that I think brings it almost a level, but just I I, I love it. <laughs> I guess is what I'm gonna say. Oh, like that comic yeah, run. Uh, okay, this this specific 14 issue run is. One of the craziest, nightmarish, dream sequences comics I have ever read. Like, every other page, everything is going on, and I'm just like, wait, but what am I reading? What is going-? Not not in a bad way. Not like, oh, God, this is stupid. No, in a, oh, my God, this is just insanity. He gets punched in the face as Mark Spector... And then literally the next panel is him as Jake Lockley getting into a car accident. So it's like, what is like, is it the head trauma? Like, what is going on? It's it's so cool. I think just the entire way that the entire story is um, crafted and the way it's shown, you know, like I said, this is um, 
the writing is Jeff Lemire, but the artist is Greg Smallwood. We have uh, color artist Jordi Belair. And what's cool is that for Stephen Grant, you had a team of Wilfredo Torres and Michael Garland who drew their the issues from their perspective. When Jake Lockley was up there, you had Francesco Francavilla and then uh, James Stoko, I think Stoko, uh, for Straight Up Moon Knight. So nothing gives the book more of a schizophrenic feel than having different artists take over different parts of Mark Spector's um, personalities. You know, uh, he's a hero that has dissociative identity disorder. And we've dealt with that recently with Crazy Jane. We also dealt with that with um, the Immortal Hulk. And now we're getting it here, probably the patient zero of it in Marvel uh, with Moon Knight. Did you know much about the character prior to us covering this book? I knew jokes. I knew memes. I knew Moon Moon Knight was like Deadpool meets Batman. Yeah. That's that's mostly what I knew about Moon Knight. I just knew the fourth well, you wall had the Dracula, breaking. The Dracula the... meme, right? The... Yeah. Yeah. Where's Dracula at? Give me my money, kind of stuff. There, there, there was like a there's like a meme page that's like called like Moon Knight says. Yeah, and it's like various Moon Knight comics out of context. Yeah, so it's just literally it would be one panel of Moon Knight, but it'd be like the most fucked up thing you've ever read. But it's actually a panel out of context. So yeah, well, I just knew him as a joke, not a joke in a bad way, but. He was just like so outlandishly crazy yeah, that the, he was a joke. The things people liked about him kind of made him a, a joke. Um, I mean, the guy is insane. And if you even took some of the, the pages or panels from this story and used them to um, do a meme or something like that, like if you took one of the images of him put, punching Dr. Amut as a, a crocodile, like, and you just took that and put it on a meme page, like a lot of this stuff seems completely... Uh, ridiculous. I didn't know anything about the character um, moving forward. I knew that he had done some appearances in like Spider-Man stuff um, when I talk about like animated series stuff. Um, and I knew that he was like dark and mysterious. And I've heard people say that he's like Batman in the sense that he has a bunch of gadgets that are themed around his Moon Knight, you know, aesthetic and stuff. So um, I, I definitely didn't know much about the character. Once I heard that they were going to... Um, do the series on him i decided to pick up several different runs and i there's really not a bad one of the ones that you hear about the like you said the bendis um the warren ellis the jeff lemire um and then bills i wish i could say his name but it's the guy who does uh, electro assassin had a, a great run and some great art dealing with that character but um th- this one i just feel like it it is Everything you want about the character it doesn't even really have a, a black and white villain. It doesn't really have like a MacGuffin that he has to get or a sky beam that he needs to stop or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. This is a journey into a, a fractured man's mind. And um, I think it's a it's a hell of a one. It does. It says a lot of things about mental health. Um, and yeah, I can't I can't help but not only recommend it, but that's the reason why we're covering it here today. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give some people some background on Moon Knight in general. Uh, the character, um, obviously, as you know, is a Marvel Comics character. It was created by writer Doug Monch and artist Don Perlin. The character first appeared in Werewolf by Night 
number 32 in 1975. The rumors, not the rumors, we will be getting a Werewolf by Night special something on Disney Plus this year. Um, rumors are... Most of the people debuted in that too. The Werewolf by Night. Like You get most of Moon Knight's like, cast of Friends yeah, during that, that Werewolf by Night too. Cause I, that, I had to look it up. I had to see what the hell we're talking about. So like, like Frenchie. Frenchie, I know, debuts in there, like Marlene. Okay. So you get your you get a couple of cast of characters of this guy. Yeah, and like nineteen seventy five, that's Jesus fifty Christ, years that's ago. Fifty years ago. You know? Um and this and some of the best known stories from that character or about that character were written in the last decade. So it just goes to show you how characters go in and out of um relevancy, depending on who wants to write for them and do something, you know, big for them. Um, son of a rabbi, Mark Spector served as a marine. Son of a boxer. Son of a boxer, and briefly as a CIA operative before becoming a mercenary alongside his friend John Paul Frenchy, the champ. During a job in the Sudan, Spector is appalled when ruthless fellow mercenary Raoul Bushman attacks and kills archaeologist Doctor Al Ruane in front of the man's daughter and colleague Marlene. Which is yeah, which is yeah. I I thought Marlene was the daughter. That's yeah, what I thought. Like, Marlene is the, is is the the, the doc, that guy's daughter, right? The, the archaeologist doctor. or doctor, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Frenchie and Marlene and Spectre all because it's the origin because it's Mark's origin. All three of them debuted together in that Werewolf by Night shit. Yeah. So it's crazy that the his love interest and his best friend slash sidekick and him all debut like fifty in years another ago. in another comic. Basically, 50 years ago, like that's crazy. Um, after fighting Bushman and being left for dead, a mortally wounded specter reaches Al Ruane's recently unearthed tomb and is placed before a statue of the Egyptian god, moon god Khonshu. Specter dies and then suddenly rev- uh, revives, fully healed. He claims Khonshu wants him to be the moon's knight, the moon's knight, and left and the left fist of Kanchu, redeeming his life of vi- violence by now protecting and avenging the innocent. While early stories imply uh, Spectre is merely insane, it is later revealed Kanchu is real, one of the several entities from the other void, a dimension outside normal time and space, once worshipped by ancient Earth people. On his return to the United States, Spectre invests his mercenary profits into becoming the crime fighter Moon Knight, aided by Frenchie and Marlene, who become his lover and eventually the mother of his daughter. Oh, the mother, yeah, the mother of his daughter. Along with his costumed alter ego, he primarily uses three other identities to gain information from different social circles. Millionaire businessman Stephen Grant, taxi driver Jake Lockley, and suited consultant Mr. Knight. Um, so how did you feel about this story and how is it dealing with a narrator that you can't really trust what he sees? This is, this, this isn't just an unreliable narrator. This is an unreliable narrator because most of the time I'm like, is this in his head? Is he imagining this? Is he beating up people that he thinks is money, mummies and dog's head? But are these just normal people just trying to help this poor guy? Cause that's my, that's truly my interpretation. Yeah, is that none of this existed, none of this happened, and he's literally in like the hallway of his mental hospital, beating up on just regular orderlies. <laughs> How do you feel about the depiction of Conchu as somebody who didn't really know what Moon Knight was about? What do you think about that? 
Okay, when you tell me Egyptian god, my very first thought isn't the buzzer's head from Animaniacs. Oh, uh, yeah. Sure, let's give me a buzzer's head. Like, it's scary. It's it's greatly drawn, but it's not Egyptian god to me. That's like the most whitest Egyptian god yeah. ever. It's just a it's a crow's head. It's like a buzzard. Yeah. But damn, does it look scary and intimidating, especially like because it's a, a comic book. You would have to imagine in his world, that shit's like a four foot beak. I mean, we're about to see something similar in this show, right? We saw a little clips of Conchu yeah. uh, being depicted in and, live action. And that shit looks like a three to four foot beak. Yeah. So it's going to look intimidating in live action. How how wouldn't your mind fracture being if that was in every corner? When you turn up the lights and everybody's gone, that appears and talks to you. Well, I think it's the fact that he puts his mask on and he can see the world for what it is. Yeah. That would probably break my brain. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like having uh, special X-ray specs they put yeah, on, the, and <laughs> like the contact lens that we see in in that featurette clip for Moon Knight. It's yeah. like I could talk to you normally, and you're George. I see you, you're George. But I throw my Moon Knight mask on, and all of a sudden, you're Anubis, yeah. the god. I'm like, holy crap! Yeah. So I, this this is gonna be a full spoiler review. Um, I'm going to try to recap this as best as I can. I don't even know how we're going to um, be able to. While it kind of divulges into madness. And then after a while, I'm just going to look over the, um, you know, look over the uh, the comic itself as it tries to, you know, tackle some themes and, and some ideas that I think are pretty interesting that comics normally don't tackle. So... Our story starts off with a starry night and a voice in the distance calling out to Mark, asking a man if he's Mark. The man looks up at a huge piece of Egyptian architecture and he replies with, I'm not sure. The voice calls to him and the man recognizes the voice as Conchu. Just like his original origin, Mark Spector feels his own death coming and has found himself at the feet of the Egyptian god Conchu to be reborn as his avatar. So I already knew, given what I knew about Moon Knight, that they were showing a portion of his origin in this moment of him being lured to this Egyptian temple, seemingly feeling like he's about to die. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, But yeah, like having Khonshu just sit with his leg crossed, (laughs) seemingly waiting for Mark and and always has some kind of... um, Like he's the devil constantly whispering in his ear, right? Yeah. Constantly making him doubt or, you know, um, second guess. It's like Lucifer for Constantine for this guy. It's just like he's just constantly there. Yeah. So, Khonshu implores Mark to think of everywhere and everyone he has ever been. And we see an image that consists of Stephen Grant, Mark Spector, and Jake Lockley, along with Mr. Knight. uh, Several personas of Mark Spector. Um, suddenly Mark wakes up yelling and two orderlies come in and beat him up for making noise before injecting him with something that knocks him out. It's Rob Thomas and Sinbad from It's Always Sunny. Just coming. All right, Billy, he's making noise. You're right, Bobby. He is making noise. Billy don't like noise, Bobby. Like, how did you, did you, at what point in this hospital facade, if you will, did you start to think that things may not be what they seem? Uh... It's really hard to tell because most of the time it's like, no, they are what they seem. This is a crazy guy locked in a hospital being plagued by imagination 
finally getting the help he deserves, but also not getting the help he deserves because he's getting abused yeah. by orderlies. Right. And orderlies definitely shouldn't be, like, abusing mental patients. That's <laughs> just pretty messed up. Right. But, like, I'm telling you, the whole time I'm reading this, I'm like, they have not left the mental institution at all. Right. They are. They, they, this is sucker punch. This is sucker punch for guy. even though sucker punch wasn't for girls and it was for guys. But this is like a sucker punch sequence with a guy. Yeah, I was definitely getting Shutter Island vibes um, uh, reading this. So suddenly Mark wake. Oh, no, I did that. He gets knocked out. When he awakens, he is strapped down and prepared for electroshock treatment, which I thought we were done with. We still doing that? Is that still a thing? I don't think that's illegal. I don't. I think that's been outlawed. Yeah, so that might be another clue as to maybe things not being what they seem here in uh, this world. That's also true because like, yeah, you're you're not allowed to hit people with electroshock. That's like conversion therapy. Like you can go to jail for something like that. Um, but yeah, he he endures it with great pain. We see him sitting in what seems to be a mental hospital, but he seems unaffected by his surroundings. Like, there's that great shot where he's just sitting there with these huge bags under his eyes, and he seems like he is not, um, like, he don't give a damn about any, anything that's going around him. Yeah. An old man befriends him and introduces himself as Bertrand Crowley. The man seems to see things beyond the human eye and begs Mark to do the same. When he can't deduce... Um, I'm oh, sorry, when he can't see through what's going on, Crowley thinks that he might be on too much medication, that they're pumping him full of too much, too many sedatives, and that's why he's able to go with along with this illusion of this mental hospital. He randomly reminds Mark that he is a fish of Conchu, and only he can break the walls of the hospital, but they are interrupted by the two orderlies again, who grab Mark and say it's time for therapy, and he passes by a blonde that he seems to remember, which we find out later is Marlene. At therapy, Mark meets with a Dr. Emmett who seems disappointed that um, disappointed that Mark has kind of gone back to his delusions involving Moon Knight, Jake Lockley, Stephen Grant, etc. Um, when he seems really sure that all of them are real, um, while he seems really sure that all of them are real, she pulls out his file and reminds him that he's been in that institution since he was 12. Uh, this is probably yeah, one of my favorite parts. Yeah, he's been in there parts. his entire freaking life. Yeah, that's one of my fav- favorite parts is this, the introduction of this lady. You know, um, she, like, almost everything Amut she says. or uh, Dr. Emmett? Dr. Emmett. Dr. Emmett. Yeah. But it's Amut. Doesn't she, like, she, what she says sounds like it can be true. You know, that he did make up these personas, that he, you know, he's been in the hospital for 12 years, that, you know, he's, this is how he copes with stuff. And so with me not knowing too much about the character, I'm, I'm really trying to get a footing on him. And she kind of explains that he created all of this to cope. And it it kind of kind of makes sense. You know, she should she suggests that um, Moon yeah, but Knight, the way they drew her. It's like how old kid, if he is supposed to be if he came there at 12 years old, let's say for the sake of argument that it's 15 years later. We're talking 37 years old because he looks like he would be about a 35 37 year old man how old is dr emmett oh yeah they look but like I mean, they're the same age they could be but she that could also be something he could be somebody that's passed down to her they would pass on the file and they would pass yeah, down all the stuff she and, speaks to him like she's known him since he was like 15 which feels a little bit more like the like the trick you know yeah. like the, that's why they're speaking to him like they known him because it's almost alluded later on that conscious has been messing with mark 
since he was a kid. You know, yeah, kind of getting him ready to be. Uh, I'm breaking your brain to be the avatar of the Moon Knight. Like, oh god, it's kind of messed up. That is messed up. Um, she concludes by threatening more medicine and seclusion if he keeps up with the crazy talk. Later in bed, Mark speaks with Conchu and asks him if Doctor Emmett was telling the truth, and um, Conchu was like, "I mean, if she was, why'd you steal that pen?" And then you just see that. And I had to go back and I had to scroll up. I'm like, oh my God, in one second, you see the pen in the frame. And then the next panel, the pen's out of frame. I'm like, oh, snap. Yeah, so we then see that he's right that um, he did steal this pen. So he yells to get the audience's attention. And um, they come in. And then Mark with a pillowcase over his head and his sheet as a cape. Beats on both the of them. Moon Knight, and it's the only way he. It's like a Rorschach effect with "Give me back my face." It's like he could only see the true villains with the the sheet over his head. Yeah, because once these orderlies come in, they're dogs. They yep. look like dogmen. And Emmett is Amut, the crocodile god, or whatever. Or right, the crocodile god of judgment, or whatever. So it's she's she's just in a red blouse and a skirt. With a she crocodile head and with braids, like women's braids. It's the most fun. It is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. Uh, using Conchu's voice as a guide, he finds himself at the top of the hospital overlooking New York City, but it's covered in sand and there's a huge pyramid in the center. Yep. Conchu uh, believes that this, this is the doing of Seth, his brother and his rival, and that a full-blown invasion is in the works. Before he can finish the thought, the dog-faced orderlies come back in and beat him up. Once his mask is taken off, Mark sees them as regular human beings again and New York City as normal. He is brought back to the hospital, kicking and screaming, saying he knows what he saw. So at this point, you're like, he's just crazy. Are you on his side? I don't. I. It's hard. This is. They always paint you heroes where you have to be on their side because they're the heroes, the good guys. Like, like, yeah, exactly. You're following their story. There's no way what they're doing can be wrong. Right. Like, come on now. But it's like, where where are we really, and why is there an like an? I mean, it's New York, so yeah. There's like 150 abandoned underground subways. So I would believe that a mental institution is built over like a, an abandoned six train subway. But like, damn, this is the mighty convenient that you could just go straight down, 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 and all of a sudden. You're in like a Herald Square train station that's abandoned. Right. So there was a mighty fire. It's comics, but still. There's a thin line. How convenient can convenient be? Right, right. Yeah. I guess when you're dealing with somebody that's living in, 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 what is it, the other void? The other void. I really did, I really kind of, I guess, um, underestimated Conchu's power and influence and imagery and delusions because a lot of this stuff I don't think I would have been able to handle as myself. The fact that Mark can handle it, you know, maybe that's why he got picked. Can he handle it, though? He, 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 I mean, at the end of the story, he kind of seems to have kind of figured out true, true. What, how he feels. At, a, at another therapy meeting, Mark is more defiant. Like, I like this one, right? Where he's like, no, no, I know it's you. You, you know can't it? tell me nothing. You're Dr. <laughs> you are Amat, the god of judgment. My name is Emmett. Yeah. Not Amat. It's like, nope, you are Emmett. Right. Uh, so he's like putting his foot down. He's like, no, no, no. You are, yeah, the Egyptian god of judgment. Um, she doesn't seem impressed, which is also a good. She knows sells it. You know, she's like, what are you, like, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, I'm Irish. She says, Emmett is Irish, not Egyptian. Um, 
Yeah, she's basically like, oh, Mark, I wish we could just do something more with you, but we can't. So, all right, Mark, fuck you. So, he goes back to getting another round of electric shock therapy, and while he's en route there, he bumps into a French man who reminds him of Moon Knight's chauffeur, Frenchie, you know, his homeboy. Um, yeah, because in the, the he's he's surrounded by all of them. Yeah. Frenchie, Marlene, Gina, and Crowley. Yep. They're all stuck there with him. Exactly. The uh, From me reading for the first time, I didn't realize that these are all integral people from his Since past, like from 50 his literary years, past. Yeah. Um, Gina is friends with Jake Lockley. Jake Lockley used to go to her diner to pump for the information about what's going on in the streets. He would go there for pancakes and coffee, and she would give him the inside information. I think Crowley knows Mark, and then uh, Steven knows... Um, Marlene. Marlene's, I think, an actress? Uh, well, at least she wasn't this, but... Um, oh, no, because Marlene is the is the architect's daughter yeah. from his uh, origin. Yes. So that would be a Mark thing, wouldn't that? Yeah, but I think he Mark dies, and when he comes back, Stephen Grant, he takes all the money that he needs. <laughs> he takes all the money he's made in mercenary uh, money and creates the Stephen Grant persona. Um, so yeah, that might be someone that knows, uh, Marlene a bit more. So he does the electric shock therapy, right? Passes out. Um, and when he, I don't even know if I can say when he comes to, we see what we perceived to be a conversation that was going on in his mind where he's there in front of Conchu and he begs Conchu for help. And Conchu explains that the place that they're currently at is not Mark's mind. It's a place beyond space and time called the Other Void, which is where Conchu and his kind have been trapped. Yeah, he takes the fucking mouth guard out because the writing has it where he can't talk. So he yeah. just takes the... Then he can talk. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it's so... Like I said, it's so... It gets in the head uh, so big and bad. But... um. Conch was like, yeah, listen, the you, you thought I was an Egyptian god because of the Egyptians, but I, we, I, my my beings and I, like the people I belong to, um, the race of beings that I belong to, oh, came yeah, down alien here. Alien gods that the Egyptians like worshipped as like regular gods. Like, yeah. Oh no, Anubis, he's from planet Mars. Basically. Like. Yeah. So that's a cool little wrinkle in the Marvel, you know, verse. Um. So they used to be able to go to and from Earth and the other void, but they can't anymore. They're trapped in the other void, but they're still immensely powerful. So they're able to uh, project their consciousness through the other void to Earth and project it onto hosts. And that's what he's kind of been trying to do with Mark. He wants Mark to be his avatar on Earth to, you know, enact the revenge of the god of moon vengeance or whatever uh, with Kanju and stuff. Ridiculous. Um, and he says that Seth is, you know, the he, like, warns him of Seth, and he explains to him that because his kind is using humans as hosts, there's kind of been, like, this secret and silent war going on with, you know, uh, everybody, and... He, that hasn't really known what's going on. Like he can't trust what he sees basically because these beings are out and about and they are taking over people's bodies. So he's like, you um, you know, others are going to make you doubt what you're seeing. He tells him, um, but he has to fight that doubt and see the truth. They send his consciousness back to his body. And later Mark talks to Crowley who mentions that um, he can see the dog headed or as well. Crowley can. He attributes it to being on acid as a <laughs> as a kid, or so as a, just as the occasional a acid flashback. Yeah, uh, but he lets Mark in on a secret. 
he and some of the others are planning on a breakout tonight. Which just so coincidentally happens. Yep. To be no his, issues his and no problems. Groups. Yeah. Frenchie comes through and it actually is Frenchie. You know, like he's like, ah, oh, I remember you. Bon ami. Yeah. And um, he gives him his Moon Knight mask. Uh, he goes and gets his other friends, Gina and Marlene, and he suits up as Mr. Knight, ready to break out. They manage to get to uh, out of the main hallway, but the other door uh, leads to a wall of hieroglyphics and then to a subway somehow. They see a train full of mummies, and the crew take them down before Dr. Emmett shows up as the god Amut, complete with crocodile head and dog face orderlies. She begs him to stop fighting, but he does the opposite and punches her in the face. Yo, he legit... No, I'm, I... This has to be like some sort of, I hope it's not real. I hope that this is everything that it's supposed to be. Like we're seeing that that doctor isn't a doctor. It's really that crocodile god. Because, I, think, I think that that's true. Because if I, it's not, he is just literally laying waste to small, frail redheads. He's just literally beating up doctors with no care in the world. I honestly believe that this entire story um, happened... In the mind of Mark. Yeah, in the mind of Mark. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. In his mind. Right. So that just means he's just beating up on poor Irish but the thing doctors. Is, but the thing is, if we're questioning like whether or not it happened, at that point, I feel like we're getting, we're you know, like we're focused yeah. on the wrong thing because it did happen, but it happened in Mark's mind. Is that any less valid? Okay. I mean, you get what I'm saying? That's what I'm, that's what I'm arguing I do, here. If, if I start hitting you because in my mind I see no, you as... That's what I'm saying. I don't perceive Mark to have damaged anyone in real life oh you just see him in a corner just choking on his drool because yeah yeah oh, okay yeah. i understand like, what you mean he's doing the sucker punch where the dance only exists the dance exists but everything she sees while she's dancing only exists in her mind right right and so i think that he's not really actively out there hurting anyone but um you know it's just sitting in a corner imagine that he's punching people okay i get what you mean yeah I get what you mean. Um, so she begs him to. Oh, yeah, he punches him in the face. They try to subdue him with an injection, but he turns the tables and injects the doctor before taking down her goons. He runs into a dark tunnel of the train station and begs for help again. Khonshu appears and tells Mark to let his insanity guide him. And right when he says that, he instantly finds himself in an Egyptian tomb. Like, no rhyme or reason, no explanation. Boom, he's in an Egyptian tomb. I love that Conchu's words don't invoke a... Uh, on some points, they invoke a speech bubble. But in a lot of cases, it's just written. Yeah, it's like just it's, right, Like yeah. it's a booming voice through the air. It's just that white, my son. Follow the voice, my son. And it's written in that Egyptian hieroglyphic kind of font. So it just feels ancient. It feels like an ancient thing calling out to him. Which I think is a really cool kind of juxtaposition. Um... So, yeah, I, I, it, it's almost heartbreaking how often he has to ask Kanshu for help. Like he's always broken and just been like, "Yo, you telling me?" Like, you, he trusts in this thing. He, this is the thing that brought him back to life. You know, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, that point, I'd rather if you just left me for dead in Egypt. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, so. He can hear the voices of his friends, and so he puts his mask back on, and they regroup before Anubis, of all things, the god of death, uh, you know, the farrier of lost souls, he shows up and offers them a ride. Marlene, who has pa been was passed out this entire time, randomly wakes up and goes, there's a price that has to be paid, and then passes back out. 
And we're like, what the hell is she talking about? Anubis says, yeah, if you want safe passage, you need to pay me a soul. And they're like, a soul? What the hell? How the hell are we going to give you? And Crowley's like, well, I'm old as hell. So I volunteer for tribute. And uh, yeah, they kind of agree that they could take Crowley. Um, the orderlies are getting close. So they're just like, yeah, well, fine, fine. And um, he takes, Anubis takes them with him. And uh, Anubis gets them to a ladder. But they have to leave Crowley behind because that's the price. And Mark promises that he'll be back for him. When they get above ground, they see the city is covered in sand. Although they've traveled a great distance, they are still in front of the hospital. They are accosted by a cop who Mark punches in the face. Turns out the cop is Sobek, another croc god who threatens Mark for biting, uh, who threatens Mark, and then he bites Frenchie's jungler. So again, did Frenchie die? No, right? Because they're not going anywhere. They're still in the mental hospital. Right. Were you surprised when Frenchie when that croc took a bite out of Frank Frenchie's neck? Um, I had no, honestly, I had no idea what the hell was going on because when he started punching on the cop, I'm like, are you literally be, did you, okay, let's just say for the sake of argument, you, you're, you're actually got out of the mental hospital. Are you beating up on a cop just to get your ass back in the hospital? And then it bites Frenchie's neck and Frenchie dies. And I'm like, okay, something's up. Right. Something was fishy. Um, yeah, it's a, like Frenchie, like it's this, is this kind of like big moment. We were so happy to get him back. And then he gets bit, so it's like, uh, okay. Um, Mark manages to knock out Sobek, but it's too late for Frenchie, who succumbs to his injuries. Left only with Gina and an incapacitated Marlene, Mark continues to um, walk New York, but Gina sees her diner and wants to stop. They do, they have breakfast, and Kanchu berates Mark for wasting his time. That's probably my favorite Kanchu appearance. He appears in the stall. <laughs> What are you doing, bro? You're out here eating pancakes? <laughs> There's like an intergalactic war going on, and you're out here eating, eating pancakes. Um, so their convo is interrupted by Gina, who calls Mark to tell him that Marlene is awake and of sound mind. Marlene tells Mark that she seems to be getting better the further from the hospital they are. Uh, she tells Mark that they have to go, but Gina decides to stay behind, figuring if she's going to die anywhere, let it be her diner. I'm uh, yeah, she was also wanted to like stay there in case her kids show up. Oh yes, like like if apparently that's supposed to be like some safe house beacon. Like, right? Hey, if anything happens during the city, be it you know hurricane or storm, just go to the fucking diner in the middle of wherever. Yeah, because I don't even know where they are, but that looks like the. I think the, it's just regular New York City. But yeah. it looks like Cat's Diner or whatever. Oh, that uh, Cat's Delicatessen. Yeah, whatever. the famous Cat's Delicatessen. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's what that diner looks like. They have a couple of those in the city. They have a couple of those, like old school diner that just sit in the corner with the with the neon lights and stuff. Yep. Yeah. And that little marquee looking type uh, edging, like um, old school movie theater and shit. Yeah, hundred percent. It's all about the aesthetic, bro. Um. So they buggy as they walk. Marlene tells Mark that she remembers him as Moon Knight and Stephen Grant, and being in love with him. As they're talking, he's hit by a moon batarang, and when he turns around, he sees who hit him, and he is face-to-face with another moon knight. How do you feel about that moment, when Mark is attacked by moon knight? Oh, and that's supposed to be the Jake, that's supposed to be Jake Lockley. Well, yeah, it ends up being, it ends up being revealed to be, um, Kanju at the end. That whole time that was Kanju, because I know when, uh, cause I know we're in spoiler territory, but that moment where it's, uh... Our main character and then his like seemingly split personalities. 
He's talking like to like two of them. He's talking to Jake Lockley specifically in the Moon Knight costume, and then Stephen Grant in like a nice little Michael Kors suit. Oh yeah, so we, like, we haven't gotten there yet. But first, he gets so that was. By. But that's what I'm saying. That was con- that, that yeah, was yeah. that was Conchu manifesting. Yeah. Okay, because I had no kind idea. of just messing with him. Joke, I had no idea who that was because that's also where he like he throws his body off like the top of the pyramid. Right. Right, so that and he does it because it's conscious. So the um, this Moon Knight claims to be Mark before he went insane. God, he yeah. headbutts Mark and he takes Marlene into the big pyramid, and Mark follows. Uh, Mark opens a door, but when he passes through it, he is suddenly on the moon, being chased by werewolves. He goes through another door and ends up on a film set with Stephen Grant as Stephen Grant with Marlene. Then the evil orderlies appear, so he goes out another door and he's suddenly Jake Lockley on the streets of New York City. He runs some more, and he's still being chased by the orderlies, and he finds Seth. That, I thought that was a cool moment, where he opens the door, and Seth is just there, ch- chained up. And he's like, uh, I thought you were the one doing all this. And he's like, wow, you really don't know what's going on. Like, you yeah, really, yeah, you are, you are, your brain is really that fucked. Like, you, you, he calls him a pup. Like, he calls him Conchu's puppy, basically. Like, like you know, go, go, to your, go to your master and ask him some questions if, you, if you're really trying to see... Uh, what's going on with all this? So, um, I yeah, I was like, oh snap! Um, she Seth laughs at him for believing in Kanchu, but it was really him behind all of this in the first place. Uh, Mark sees a staircase in front of him, and when he reaches uh, for it, he sees the injured Moon Knight doppelganger who identifies himself as when he unmasks himself, and it's Kanchu. So Kanchu is the Moon Knight. Uh, Mark feels betrayed for listening to the god, but Kanshu is not done asking for favors, and he he says he needs Mark's body. <laughs> Mark t- uh, He tells Mark that he can make all the pain go away, but Mark is not sold and refuses. He leaps from the pyramid and seemingly dies on impact, uh, and when he awakens, he is billionaire Stephen Grant, waking up with Marlene in a penthouse overlooking the sunrise on a perfect New York City. He sheds a tear in relief. Yeah, and then that's just that's just one aspect of this crazy ass story that we're gonna get into. But that's what I'm saying. You see, like he gave him an opportunity to surrender his body for him, right? Uh, Kanchu did. Um, and he refused, like ultimately refused. But I believe Kanchu is the kind of person that won't let Mark kill himself. No, not at all. He will keep resurrecting him. He will keep. You know, he needs he needs him to do his dirty work, and uh, they're tethered that way. And he's he seemingly put his foot down and said, "I will not let you have my body, sir, <laughs> my body, my choice," which makes a lot of sense. And um, eventually, you know, like he's gonna make him suffer for it. What's his face yeah. is gonna make him suffer for it. Uh, Contra is gonna make him suffer for it. Later, we see Stephen Grant oversee the production of a Moon Knight film starring Mark Spector, uh, which is weird. But that's an actual actor named Mark Spector. Right. Um, and somehow, it was, it's starring Spector somehow, but uh, Stephen is frustrated with the whole process. He gets in a cab with Marlene, who reminds him that they have a fundraiser at Mercy Hospital, but the cabbie warns him against going there. Suddenly, we are with Jake Lockley, who picks up an old man who turns out to be Mr. Crowley. Mr. Crowley. 
Uh, Jake doesn't remember any what of the events. What went wrong in your head? We have no idea. Uh, Jake doesn't remember any of the events of breaking out of the hospital or Crowley giving up his soul so they could do so. I know. I, I loved Crowley's reaction here because he's like, like you don't remember. Like I. It's like, oh come on, man. We're. Really I sold here? my soul for this <laughs> for you to be good. And, the best you know. was when he was like, I was really hoping you to be farther on by now. But if you're really still back in circles, then I guess I gave myself up for nothing. And he's like, like you gotta have you're gonna have to work through this. Like you're gonna have to whatever this is that you're working through, you're gonna have to go ahead and, and work through all of it. Um, so Crowley says that he failed and he's still in the hospital, which they, in that moment, did you feel validated? I, I'm pretty sure they're still in the hospital. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, um, like when he fell, like he literally throws his whole entire body off the pyramid and then it's just like he falls and then goes upwards. Like, you know, you could fall down and then wakes up as Stephen Grant. That's like this. None of this makes sense. You you just got thrown onto your bed by a bunch of orderlies. You're hopped up on like lorazepam, so like <laughs> you don't 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 worry about it, Mark. He is definitely crazy. Fuck. He is definitely tripping. Um. So, Crowdy's yeah. He said he said they're still in the hospital, and then he just disappears. Jake goes to his trunk to pull out his Moon Knight gear, but suddenly we're back with Stephen Grant, who's getting ready for the fundraiser. Uh, he tells Marlene he remembers being in a cab with an old man and she talks to his face his false memories up to anxiety they attend the party which is inside of a mental institution for some reason um and oh oh because they wanted uh for the humble beginnings of stephen grant because stephen yeah, grant went there norma- as a kid so. normalize um yeah because he asks marlene why throw the party there and she and ins- she says that he insisted because yeah, he used to be a patient there and um, he wants to kind of normalize the stigma behind um, mental mental health. Yeah, I guess mental health, mental illness, just the fact that these people can still have a second chance at life. You know, like that. Then, what do you think? That, how how do you feel about what this story does for mental health? Uh, I think it does help validate anybody that's like suffering these kinds of like dissociative identity disorder anybody suffering from schizophrenia anybody that can't tell reality from dream sequences like it really validates their feelings like what they see yeah like yeah. Like, like like especially the moments where like he goes where he undergoes severe head trauma and that head trauma like causes him to go into another personality he goes through a car accident as Jake Lockley but the second like his car crashes. He's all of a sudden Stephen Grant going through his own head trauma and like falling off of whatever. Like, you know, like the way that yeah. the way that they do head trauma is great. Yeah. Well, it's just like an idea like they, they normalize it. He's not bad for being fractured, Mark. You know, he's not demonized for the way his mind works. And yeah, all of our minds work like. I think that's one of the most um, interesting aspects of humanity is our mind's constant need for logic and how it will change its chemistry and and, and um, the chemicals in your body given what it thinks the world is around you. If your perspective of yourself is low, 
Um, your mind will trick you into thinking that it's not worth doing anything. It's not worth trying anything. You know, um, it doesn't really matter what the world quote unquote really is. It matters what the world is to you. Right. But that's also a dangerous mindset to have. Like, what is the world to you? But the other alternative is to figure out what the world is to somebody else and try to figure it out and try to. Well, yeah, that's all. I guess uh, you're going to have to just, yeah, I guess figure the world out on your own. As long as you're not hurting anyone is what I'm trying to say. You know, True. like Mark Spector, I don't feel like his, his DID is not hurting anyone. You know, I think people are people fear people with mental health issues because they think that they're a danger. They think that they're dangerous. They think they can hurt themselves and hurt others. And while those are the extremes, obviously, they're still human beings. If you've dealt with any sort of, you know, um, not neurotypical situation, whether it be anxiety, whether it be, you know, um, depression, whether it be DID, any of this kind of stuff, um, you know how much, how little of a hold you have over that kind of stuff. Like the mind really does, can play tricks on you and the mind really can, you know, mess you up. But are you a bad person for that? It's just, I different, I could, I don't think I've ever been in the state and I hope God, I pray to never be in the, the mind state where I cannot tell reality from dreams. Yeah. I hope to never be there because that seems scary. Right. Is absolutely scary, and there are people. You know this. This is not a fictionalized uh, version of 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 a person dealing with. This is a fictionalized version of somebody dealing with this, but the disease itself is not fictionalized. No, not at all. Not there at are all. real. There are people walking around with alters. There are people walking around with this disease, and it it is said to uh, start with trying to cope. Um, trying to cope is the biggest. Like, as far as humans go. That's the thing. Trying to cope, that can kill you. Yeah. Trying to understand, trying to, trying to. That's what I said. We, we're tied. We're bound by the logic in our heads of what this world is, and it. That's why whenever that breaks, it's usually your first real kind of depression when you realize that the world, as told to you, is not what it is. And now the world you have was to, sunshine and rainbows, and now it's dark clouds and monsoons and they can be both and both are true you know both can be true yeah so i think i think that's interesting as well uh things start getting out of whack marlene calls steven mark which is very weird right and uh so he walks away confused and walks through a door and uh he comes out the other end as an astronaut on the moon again and frenchy tells him that the space wolves have taken over the earth and that all the remaining uh, humanity lives on the moon. And they engage in this big space dogfight with these wolves somehow, some way. There's a command ship. And there's a saber-tooth-looking wolf. And um, we just start, like, randomly flashing through, like, all these other altars. We have this moment where Jake Lockley looks like he's going to be in a car crash. But also... This weird spaceship halo mark is in a space crash. And they both crash at the same time and seemingly both take damage. Then suddenly it looks like Jake might be bumping into the spaceman, but that's not the case. Lockley's trying to find himself. Uh, and he seems lost. It's You get several moments of this space battle between these werewolves and Mark. And none of it 
is making sense. No, so, it's not. So when you're reading through this, this story, this specific story, incantations or incarnations or whatever. Yeah. This shit was 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 ridiculous to read. This yeah. was this was ridiculous. You I, don't know what what you're supposed to be focusing on. You don't know where these things these threads are supposed to go. Why are you one man Stephen Grant is like it's it's the the fact that it's like Mark Spect the actor Mark Spector is playing Jake Lockley on a set of Stephen Grant's making. And everything Stephen Grant is doing, it's like if he's bouncing between Mark Spector the the character uh, um the Jake Lockley character, not even the Mark Spector actor, but it's like he's bouncing between the character that the actor is playing and then himself as the movie producer socialite. So it's like he runs up the stairs and both Moon Knight and Steve Stephen Grant run up the stairs at like the same time, like each panel. Yeah. And then they each open the door at the same time, but then they become themselves. Yeah, it's, it's super weird. You even have like Jake Lockley getting to Gina's, and when she when he gets to Gina's, everyone's dead for some reason. Oh yeah, the whole place is like shut the hell up. And then he gets like interrogated by Doctor Emmett, and it it's like firing up about like oh you know you're the you you were the guy that's going around and beating up people in the middle of the night, whatever whatever. And you have like this very heated debate scene, not debate uh, interrogation scene. With Mark and Dr. Emmett. But then you hear Stephen Grant say cut. Yeah. And so yeah. you're like, wait, what it's the like, hell going on? And he starts arguing about lines. And then they, they he says action and they get back to the interrogation. And you're just like, so what is this? Is any of this real? And Jake Lockley seemingly beats up a bunch of people at this interrogation. Puts on his Moon Knight outfit. And um, bumps into Crowley. And Cardi's like, oh my God, finally, you know, you 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 figured it all out. You still need to go get my soul. Uh please go get it. Cause you said you were gonna help me. Um and try your best to make this deal, this deal that you made with Anubis kind of figure it out. Um but Mark still, or at least Jake Lockley in this Moon Knight outfit, he still seems like his his whole memory is coming in and out. So he Crowley, this is what you say. I hope you'd be further along by now, but I still see you need to play this out. So he tells him to go to a specific shelter. Um, and he's like, okay. He gets to that shelter. He sees this guy called the night, the midnight man, um, beating like, uh, he has Marlene restrained. And then again, another cut. And we see Stephen Grant talking to Moon Knight and the midnight man. That's the one. That's the one part of this comp that was really messing with me. It's like you're getting this POV shot of Moon Knight investigating something and then all of a sudden cut and then it's like perspectives change. The artwork changes all of it, yeah. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to be following Stephen Grant, but it's like, but what is our P- our person seeing? Yeah. Because whenever what everything you're seeing, unless it's like through the eyes of a of a third person narrator. Most of the time, you're following through the perspective of a certain character. Yeah. You follow through the eyes of Spider-Man and Batman and, and Mr. Miracle and all that stuff. But here, it's like uh, the perspectives change. One minute, you're Moon Knight running up the stairs, and then it's cut. And then you're supposed to be changing into the eyes of Stephen Grant. Yeah. But it's like, but what is he seeing? And like, it's what he's seeing is real. Like, just because we cut 
to a seemingly crazy scene and go to what looks to be a more normal scene. Is it more normal? Is the set any more real? Stephen Grant sitting there talking to Marlene, and then he is succumbing to a bite that he, that he didn't get bit from. The space dude got bit from a werewolf. Oh, and Mark Spector in space on the moon. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Mark Spector in the moon got bit by the werewolf, and now Stephen is succumbing to the injury, and he starts to run. He opens the door and ends up in the same earth on the moon with that other mark, space mark, and that weird saber-tooth-looking thing. They all basically end up together, the three of them. The the Jake Lockley Moon Knight, the Space Knight, <laughs> Space Moon Knight, and um, Stephen Grant, and they all they're all running. Oh yeah, because this is the ending of the second book. Because we're reading, because for the fans to know, we're reading three stories in one. Yeah, it's a it's a Jeff Lemire run, but these are three stories. Yeah, in one that just seem to coincide into one story. So it's like three mini stories, like mini lion bots to make a super bot. <laughs> yeah. And again, there's no MacGuffin. There's no like, Mm-mm. there's no like big bad planning to destroy. Uh, I mean, I guess you can call Conchu like a big, you know, a version of a big bad. But Unless you, that big bad is just planning to destroy a one person's singular mind, and then it's like, well, I mean, if he's messed up in the head, is it really much of a loss? And it's such a when you think about that, it's such a small scale story. It was just about a weird other world. It's not a planetary energy. threat, yeah. Right, but. And you've heard me say this in defense of Star Lord, in in uh, in Infinity War, it doesn't matter what happens to the world on occasion. It matters what happens to what you perceive is the world, your or world, your world, yeah, your world. your world, your world. And so, to us, you've now we've now read long enough in this story yeah, that we're about a, like ten issues into this to the yeah, sucker that the, that the threat of Mark losing his body to Kanchu is not something I want. No, no. You know, I, I'm but you know, you really him. don't want. I, you have to look at it in, in the terms of your own consciousness. That's what I'm looking at. Like, this isn't a planetary threat. Shit, this isn't even a nationwide threat. It's not even a citywide threat. But would you want just a regular person to lose his own autonomy? I wouldn't. Just the idea of me personally losing yeah. my autonomy. But it goes back to the thing uh, conversations we have multiple times, right? Like. Do you should you be given the freedom to make mistakes, or should Kanchu, an uh, all powerful being, take that from you to and ensure that you will never get hurt? Yeah, but what is mistakes? Who did who Kanchu gets to choose? Yeah, but, yeah exactly. Yeah. Who gets to choose these mistakes now? Right. Who's what is judge, a mistake? Jury and executioner. Yeah. You know, if I wake up at two o'clock in the afternoon on my day off and don't do anything all day, even though I said, oh, I wanted to do laundry, I want to take out the trash. Are those are those mistakes? You could definitely see Kanchu seeing as as a waste of time. Waste of time, sure, maybe. But what is a waste? Of, that's also another thing. What yeah, is right. a waste of time when when you're immortal? You don't have a concept of time. Us as mortals, as people, we have a concept of time. We know, okay, we the human body needs eight hours of sleep, mm-hmm. but I also have an eight hour job shift. Oh, but I also need to take a shower. That takes like two hours. Oh, but I need to cook to eat. That takes like two hours. So we as humans with no time in the world have a concept of how little time is yeah you're immortal you don't need to eat to survive what is your concept of wasting time mr kanchu yeah yeah um and and one of the things that that is depicted in this right is this idea that mark is 
is constantly being taunted by Kanchu that he his mind is broken and therefore he is broken and therefore he's the perfect vessel for Kanchu, right? But considering the fact that um that Kanchu sees Mark as the perfect vessel, in that instance, Kanchu needs Mark more than Mark needs Kanchu. So even though Mark is no, broken, Kanchu needs Mark. Right. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Even though he's broken and he's doing all this kind of almost what you would consider like gaslighty toxic relationship talk of like you are you're always gonna need me look at all that all that i've done for you kind of stuff like that where would you be without me a hundred percent you know but ultimately when mark decides you know spoiler alert as we get to when we get to the end uh mark decides to stand up for himself and deny constantly what he wants which is this all-out control um he wins even though he's a normal man you know, even though he doesn't have any no, superpowers saying, or any, anything Mar- like that. Kanchu may be this immortal being that can step between the other void in our world. But if you don't have a body, if you don't have something tangible, you ain't got no power. You can literally be plaguing my thoughts in my ears and I can hear you every single day talking to me. Sure. But hey, I can put my hand behind my head and scratch my head. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. All you can do is bother my ears. And when you bother <laughs> my ears, I could just scratch my ears. So, like, I have a tangible physical form. Yeah. Kanchu needs Mark more than Mark needs Con. And who's to say Mark even wants to be alive? I don't think he wants to mess with him with Kanchu anymore. But you know, I think it becomes that kind of crazy Jane Daddy situation where it's always just going to be around. It's just one of those things that doesn't go away. But what do you think of this like meeting of the minds of Mark? sitting down with with his alters and basically being like i know you guys have memories and stuff oh god but that was one not of my real. favorite portions of the comic uh, the drawing wise i i thank god for that you're bringing it up because i wanted to make sure i brought it up this was one of my favorite portions of the comic wise where it's like stephen grant jake lockley and mark specter all three synonymously running through their own door like each opening up their own yeah. door and then when they open up the door bam the actual Mark Spector is just standing right there with a with a white suit on, like Jesus, or like uh, Peter Stormare, Satan, and Constantine, or, or Charlie like, Day, and uh, or Charlie, just like Charlie Day, and the gang exploits a miracle. Yeah. So it's like, damn, what is going on right now? And then he has to like try to explain to each and every one of them that hey, I know you're having like this, and they get mad at him because they're not understanding. <laughs> it's like, yo, you are just a personality. You're because just they have full memories. They have full memories and no, backstories. Those are my memories, and, man. Like, right, yeah, yeah, those are my memories. Oh, you the the moon defender? Like you're a you're an astronaut. He's like, I don't even know where you came from. Like you just you're came really from. new because because it's funny because he debuts in the werewolves by night and he's you literally meet this Mark Spector as an astronaut defending the moon against werewolves. Right, so, but it's another it's another brand new altar, seemingly just made up for this story, like showing how know, yeah, out of nowhere, showing how how often this kind of thing happens to cope, you know. Um, it's like yeah, you you're at you're new. I don't even know you, but I, uh, I love the line. I know this is hard to accept. It took me a long time to come to terms with it, but you are all just a part of me. And if if I'm ever gonna be whole again, you need to go. <laughs> that's that's big. It's fucked up. That's big. Um, and yeah, they all kind of like, well, what the hell? How do you like, I remember things and stuff. So like at first he just is like, um, the space guy's not real. And he kind of just like disappears. He, what, what is it? Uh, he, um, disintegrates. 
Oh, no, yeah, yeah, because he's like, yeah, you're like a new personality. I don't even know who you are, so you're going to have to go now. And then he just, shit, disappears. Yeah, Thanos snaps, uh, disappears. And then Jake Lockley in the Moon Knight outfit is like, what the hell did you do? And they start, they get into well, that was Jake. Yeah, that was Jake Lockley. Yeah, Jake Lockley just straight up starts fighting the dude. Like, what are you doing? But then Mark throws a uh, batarang right in the heart. And uh, kills him, and he turns to dust. And then he has a little leftovers moment with fucking. Well, he first Stephen Grant ran away, right? Like when he turns around after killing the Jake Lockley in his mind, he looks around, and Stephen Grant is—he's uh, sort of kind of gone. But he eventually finds him, and he explains that Stephen was the first one, right? His or, first, or yeah, the yeah, first Stephen personality the ever first, made, the first alter. Because you get Stephen Grant's origin in a sense in like the next issue. And and almost right out of the left, it was right. I need to be me again. I need I need to be healthy. I can't keep doing this. You know. Will, will, will I forget? Will you forget me? It's like will, will I will I die, Mark? I don't think so. I don't think you can. You're, you're a part, part of, of me, me yeah. but I need you to go back to your place. I need to be in control again. You know, like it's so good. And one's wearing all, all white suit, the other's wearing like the the black blazer and black pants with the white button up. It's like, damn. And the thing is, that is his best friend. Like it, the, it's it's the twisted way to look at it. No, and but he's in a talking twisted, to messed his up way. Friend. It is his yeah. best friend. Yeah, he's talking to the the person he created to be there for him when nobody else would. You know, and so to we like I said, what a what a what a like really. Mature and 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 creative way to to kind of tackle all of that. Um, so he's like, you know what? Now that I got rid of those three, the only way I'm gonna be able to get rid of Conchu is to go back to the hospital and kill him. Yeah, yeah, I gotta go all the way back to that damn hospital. Um, the next thing that we see here is a bit of a um, flashback where we see Mark meet Stephen. As he's, you know, a young Jewish boy in New York City. Oh, no, in Chicago. Sorry, I forgot he starts in Chicago. Um, And he meets, yeah, this small child named Stephen Grant. They hang out. They chill together. He brings him over to his house. And then his father comes home. And he's like, who are you talking to? And he's like, I'm talking to my friend Stephen. And there's nobody there. His father has, like, that sad look like, my boy. (laughs) Yeah. Look how crazy my boy is. Uh, meanwhile, you know, um, Moon Knight or Mr. Mr. Knight shows up, talks a little bit to Gina. They have some more pancakes. Um, and he basically explains, yeah, you know, I'm still going to go out there and try to, uh, kill Ganju. And she's like, you know, I wish I could help, but, uh, you know, this is your path to walk. And I think my boys are going to come home soon. And she, they, they just incredibly sweet to one another, supportive. And then he takes off. We go back to a flashback. Of um, Mark and his father talking to, I perceived that to be a, uh, I guess it's just a regular psychiatrist. He's talking, no, yeah, his father takes him to a psychiatrist. Yeah. This is where he ends up getting himself committed into the place where he meets Dr. Emmett and Billy and Bob and everything. Well, you have this moment, right, where... um, they bring up like, are you Steven now or are you Mark? He's like, I'm Mark. What are you talking about? You know? And, um, Mark, they have this, this is one of my favorite scenes where, you know, the, the father's obviously scared for his son. That's why he took him there. He's not there to, he's not Punish depicted him. as, yeah, he's, yeah, not, he's, he's not, not depicted as like him. a, right. Yeah. He's there to try to get him some help. 
And then the, you, you have this man who is the master of his craft, seemingly this this psychiatrist. And um, they're having this conversation behind closed doors. They've asked Mark to leave, but you get like snippets of the conversation through the door. Like, um, you know, disorder, uh, spectrum, needs treatment immediately, therapy, um, time away from home, stuff like that. And then you hear a voice say, what are you doing, young man? And he says, listening to the doctor. He goes, who is he talking to? My dad. And he goes, that man in there is not your true father. And then he's like, what? And he says, I am. And you see Khonshu standing, talking to little Mark Spector. It's one of the most jacked up images. Of all time, once you realize who, what, who, this, what this character is going to mean to this man, and how much torture, and how much pain, and how much um, literal madness will come from their relationship, you know, um, you have him whispering in his ear again. Soon you will come, and you'll be, you'll come to me, and you'll be complete. And you know, um, basically, Mark's dad comes back out, kind of looks like a late stage. Um, Paul McCartney with the beard. So I think he looks like a little bit of a little dicky. Yeah. To me. Mm-hmm. He has like that little dicky look. So he, um, they basically take him to a psychiatrist place. In real life, uh, Mark, as Mr. Knight, goes to see Anubis. And Anubis is like, you know what, bro? I'll call it even with your homeboy. Can you go get my wife? Like my wife being held captive. Listen, I'm not saying I would fuck Anas, but. Anna's got a little bit of a body to her. Yeah. Anubis's wife got a little bit of a body to her. What do you think about this, like, plan? Like, this is the most ridiculous breakout. <laughs> it is so... At this point, we're maybe 11 issues in. Yeah. And I'm like, but... You put your hands up. Yeah. You just yeah. go... Yeah. I put my hands up, like, yo, fuck it. We're here, we're here. All right. So, so basically, if I was to, like, describe it, it's... Guy wakes up in a mental institution, figures out that he is being taken hostage by Egyptian gods and evildoers. Egyptian uh, evil, evil, evil gods. You could totems say. or whatever, like Egyptian yeah. totems. Yeah, and then breaks out, and then gets his brain split between three different personalities, and then all three of the personalities decide to coexist as one. Oh, you forget the part where the all his, all the things that he was envisioning was basically a test by the person he trusted, so that he could then ask if he can use his body forever. <laughs> so that's in there somewhere. It's somewhere. So and, and this guy, like he's swimming through the cosmos at one point. Do you see that part? Yeah, where he's literally like doing the the doggy paddle. Through the cosmos, all these images and stuff like that. Even the even the um, thought bubbles are sideways, and then it, almost like what you saw in that scene in a uh, Volmir, like he falls, but gets up. He falls up and gets up through the that's water. That's my issue. Is like there's a part in it. That's what I was trying to say earlier. There's a part in this where it's like he falls upwards. Yeah, it's like, and you have to turn the comic upside down to read. The rest of it. Yeah, especially if you're reading on your phone, you got to turn your orientation off. You yeah. have to lock your orientation so you can be able to turn your phone upside down. It's Jesus. So we go from there all the way to I have to break back into the mental institution that yeah. I started in in the beginning of this story because I got to A, go get my friend whose soul is floating into 
some mythological cosmos with Anubis, the god of death. But now I'm going to go get his boo for him so that we could trade my best friend for oh, his yeah, boo. so then you have, like, two issues where you're, like, where you're just going through the prison of the other void. Yeah, yeah, and while that's happening, you're getting flashbacks of Mark in the mental institution, um, and, you know, he, he comes out for the death of his father. And you have, like, this kind of weird kind of moment where... Is it? Is it? Um. Yes, I believe he's talking to his mother, right? In the kitchen, yeah, he's talking to his mom. And then his he tells his mother, "Mark isn't here anymore, Mrs. Specter." Yeah. Oh, Stephen Gray, yeah, Stephen like Gray how, shows up. That's crazy. I don't know about you. Like man. literally, that, no, that literally, literally mid conversation. Like, She's like, "Mark, can you just for once just be normal?" And he's like, "I'm sorry, Mrs. Mrs. Specter, but Mark isn't here right now. He can't handle this, and thus well, yeah, he can't handle the situation. So he asked for me to." Jesus Christ. Imagine talking to your son and your son saying that to you. Oh, that's the whole The Shining with Danny Torrance. Like, Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance. Like, it's not great. It's not great. Um, <laughs> We go to the other void and there's like a weird Egyptian man on top of a weird bug with a spear in his hand. So what does Mark do? Throws a rock at him. <laughs> he just takes a rock. Hey, you. Hey. And he just chucks it at this but man. But he's just using it for attention. He's basically like flailing his arms like, hey, do you know how to get, get to over here? Can you give at me one directions? Point, at one point, they joust. On they two, do joust. They're like onto onto dragonflies. And they joust. And, and he comments, he's like, insect jousting. Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean insect jousting? They have a lot of a lot of crazy imagery in this book and uh, like when you think about it paired with mental health it's so crazy like there's a scene now where um mark is seemingly talking to the moon or conchu or whatever and then you snap and you see that there's a bunch of military people and mark is just standing in the middle of nowhere uh naked in a minefield oh my <laughs> god that's right and then they're just like specter what the hell are you doing i'm just going for a walk in the minefield? Like, yeah. What do you mean you're going for a walk? So, like, his superiors say, you know, not for nothing, but you can't be in the military like this, you know? Um, and, it's and, not, and he even says, like, this isn't a first offense. If it was a first offense, sure. We could, you know, brush it off as a cabin fever or something. But you've been exhibiting strange behavior for a while now. So, like, we're going to have to kick you out. Yeah. And you see um, Kanchu uh, takes over, like, the image of the uh, superior. Yes. And it's like, you come to me, my son. And all the other kind of stuff. Like, he's still being lured by this dark force. Um, so they end up sending him back to Baghdad. But instead of getting on the plane to go home, he stays there. He runs away and he stays there. Meanwhile, Mark is getting brought into the prison of the Undervoid. And he bumps into... Also, the whole the whole Baghdad thing where he like gets ejected from the military, that's part of his... Uh... Origin. But not only that, I know that part, but... That's in the same story of him ending up in like a fight club that Frenchie finds him in. That was that's what's gonna happen. That's, next. That's that story. Okay, okay. That's what's gonna happen. I have next, to make yeah. sure that that was that story. Yeah, that's what's gonna happen next. They're basically they're basically showing us this crazy other world, other world, other void stuff while retelling his origin, his actual, his actual factual or origin from seventy five. Okay, but because of Lemire, Lemire's adding a layer saying that Conchu was there the entire time, and. Isn't that kind of true? I, you he, gotta, his body gets crushed by the moon, by the moon god, doesn't it? Well, he no, he gets shot. 
he gets shot. It was like a fight to. I heard it was like a yeah, it was like a fight to the death between Bushmen. Yeah, him yeah, and Bushmen have yeah. like an, a legit fight to the death, and he's left to die and bleed out in front of the statue of Conchie. In front of it, okay. In front of the. Because I could have sworn I read where like the the statue like literally falls on him. Like I can see that crushed. happening. I can see that happening in one of the instances, but for the most part, he just sees it and then he dies and he comes back to life and he's like, you know what? He that guy there is who brought me back. And that statue is wearing an actual. Also, robe. in his actual origin, there is no Kanshu like arising him. Like but that's what I'm saying. They, no. People think he's crazy. He no, he is. He but, is but crazy. Now, but now we're being if told, there is no actual specter there. But now that we're being told that him? there has been one. That's what I'm saying. Oh, in the, the in the Lumiere one, yeah, yeah, we're being told. But let, let's let's put this in the world of 1993. We're living in oh, 1993. Yeah, yeah, we're in yeah, 1993. Yeah, yeah, totally covering Moon Knight. Yeah. So you're trying to tell me that there was no specter. At all, he right. just—he's crawling in in Cairo night, yeah, and bleeds out in front of a statue, and then just wakes up like that statue brought me back to life. One hundred percent, and and that, and we're not supposed to see him as crazy. And the statue is wearing a cape, and he's like, "That cape is mine now because I am." And his and that. his little his little crescent dagger. That yeah. crescent dagger is part of my aesthetic. I am the moon's knight. Like, yeah, yeah. Which is why every other character treated him the way they, they you've seen in those comics. They always like they'll stand a little bit to the right of Moon Knight because they know that he's And I have I have kind seen of, that in many instances where like Moon Knight will be there but he no one will be ne- near him. He'll just be in the corner with his arms crossed over. Yeah. He'll he, never get he asked sounds like an insane no one man. Talk to him. Yeah. He sounds like an insane man but you could understand, like, for people like Cap, let's say, the ends justify the means because he still fights bad guys. And he still Well, yeah, if he's not New harming York. the innocent, if he's legit doing what he has to do, why not just let this crazy bastard just... This is just a crazy idea, right? It's a kind of a crazy concept. Um, and so uh, they talk. And put, I, I want to say. And put. And, uh, I, I, I go... Is it? It's N, right? It's not an A. It uh, not an M. It's an N. A N P U T. And put. And put. Like yeah. input. Um, they go to. Get, they're gonna. They're about to make a sacrifice in the other void of Mark, but we flash back to the. You're, you're saying like the. I'm assuming Baghdad three fights or whatever, like some kind of fight club thing, where Mark beats the hell out of somebody and then he gets approached by Frenchie. No, yeah, because it just reminded me of that scene in the first. I think it was like the second Sherlock Holmes. The second guy, Richie Sherlock Holmes, or with Downey? Yeah. It just looked like some sort of like Cairo, Egypt fight club. Yeah, totally. Which apparently in Hollywood is like a thing that we should just, we should all be worried about going to Cairo and ending up in a fight club where people in like turbans are just betting on your life. Yeah, I guess like, so. It's, it, it is the most craziest thing I've ever seen, but this is like the third instance now with movies and with comic books now. This well, you got to think it's the easiest form of entertainment, right? Get people who we don't care about to hit each other while we... But this was in a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. This was in Kingsman. This was in Sherlock. And now it's in Moon Knight. It wasn't where... in Batman, but I feel like... <laughs> I feel like, I I feel like I've seen it in some sort of Batman where like you go to Cairo and all of a sudden you just end up in this fight club. Most, most like I said, most what they perceive to be like lesser evolved or less civilized like places with deeper darker underground will have something like, countries we'll without, have something like yeah. this because like i said again when you don't have anything to your name all you can do is sell your body this is an instance of selling your body oh it's a squid game in a sense yeah this is an instance of selling your body um 
Cause it's well, you saw your body every day that you go to your job. Yeah, but no, but you, I mean like literal body. Like what you're selling when you go to your job right now is wor- like work and time. But are you a blue collar worker? You work I, with your yeah, hands. Yeah, I'm, I yeah, know yeah, you do, yeah, but yeah. like when you're a blue collar worker, you work with your hands. When you take the risk of cutting your own fingers off with a with a with a table saw, yeah, you're selling your body for for twenty bucks an hour for five days a week. Like no matter what, if you're not doing something you want to do. You're doing something that you feel like you have to do or like you're enticed and you're getting paid for it. You're selling your body. It just feels like less because my body, besides, you know, what you could perceive to be negative effects of lack of sleep or any of that kind of stuff like Mental that. Mental health is still right, important. Right, right. But I, what I mean is that, like, um, he's literally selling, like, a bag of meat to get punched or punch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, yeah. Because uh, uh, that's the only thing he can offer. And he needs to be well because if he doesn't, plow he, a damn field, you know, paint the fence. Hey, he can't do anything where, where like his ID. He's a oh yeah, discharged. He's man. Dishonorable discharged, and he's not supposed to be in that country. Yeah. Um. And this is before Frenchie, so it's not like he's even doing anything of purpose. What do you think? Of, what, what's the name of that? Is it Kalima? From, uh, <laughs> from Indiana Jones? Yeah, what do you think Kali about the Kalima scene? Hamam Shabai, Hamam Shabai. Where they're about to cut old boy Mark Spector's heart out in front of everybody. I was cracking up. I'm literally, I, I think I was on the train. I was on the train just like having my hand over my mouth. I'm like, what am I reading? What am I, what am I, gen- not in a bad way. Yeah. In all of the good tone I can say it in, I'm just like, <laughs> What am I reading? <laughs> yeah, and you just hear. What, am I, what, am I, what is this? That's me. I'm like, what is this right now? Like Bushman with the with the white face oh, paint. That and face paint the is red, terrifying. And then the red blood across his face. I'm like, what am I reading? You see, you see him like strapped to this table. They're about to cut his heart, heart out, seemingly. And then a bunch of moon orangs show up. Think, think, think. Start stabbing a bunch of people. Oh, the sacrifice. The, the, the sacrifice in the other yeah, void. Like the Ma, the, the yeah, he's like, oh, hey, hey, guys, listen, guys. Like, calm down, guys. Like, yeah. what, what are we doing, guys? Like, hey, guys. But Moon Knight shows up, and Moon Knight breaks him out, and um, he's like, what the hell are you doing here? I thought well, I you didn't think guys. it would be that easy to get rid of us. Yeah, he's you? like, come on, bro. Like, don't even worry about it. Uh, we see in Saudi Arabia, Mark has been making money with Frenchie by doing a, like odd jobs, like odd mercenary jobs, like stopping, you know, heroin uh, transports and, and all this other kind of stuff. Sex trafficking and all that jazz. That that heroin uh, guy tried to read him. He tried to be like, you guys always for your money. And, you know, like, shut up, bro. You sell drugs. <laughs> He said, you know anything about me, old man. He said, I know enough. I have seen men like you before. You are broken pieces, and no amount of money will ever make you whole. All right, old man. You sell heroin yeah. to to third world countries. Uh, and you make people die. Literally, you are literally selling poison. Yeah. Like, you're not, you're not a, you're a pot dealer. So that you can make money. Like, you are literally selling poison. So Mark in the other void acts Jake Lockley. If he has a plan and he's like, uh, we're working on it. He goes, what? What are you talking about? We're working on it. He goes, everybody else is here, bro. You see Stephen Stephen Grant running with Anubis's wife. And he's like, oh, shit, guys, it's Stephen Grant. It's so crazy. (laughs) Like all like you have the the military astronaut and then you have the costumed crime fighter like like actually throwing punches and throwing kicks and fighting. 
and then you leave the billionaire philanthropist to go get the girl out of prison. Yeah. Honestly, no, it cracked me up where you see like Mark Spector astronaut like shooting mm-hmm. and then you have Moon Knight Jake Lockley throwing like, you know, crescent rings. But then Stephen Grant is just running with the 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 package yeah so it's like what why of course of course he would be like the timid i don't even know how to throw a punch type mind character and anubis's wife to like chomp somebody's head or neck or some shit and she bites him like face off like, and goes like you, guys, you guys are all free if, in case you were oh, wondering because yeah, <laughs> they call i think like one of the guards like called her a slave like what yeah. are you doing with the prisoner and she's like, "You dare imprison me? Yeah, and me? Cho- I am. I'm put. You don't imprison me." And, and- she gives him old chomps. Um, and yeah, they they almost get attacked by one of those dragonfly men, and that guy gets shot with a laser. And when they look, it's uh, Mark Spector, robot Mark, oh, astronaut Mark Spector. Um, and they all like you see you see the slaves rallying up against their masters, but they don't got time for any of that. They leave to go because they have to go. Uh, Save Mr. Crowley. Mr. Crowley. So they all get there, all the Marks, you know, Mark, Lockley, and um, Stephen, and then they, uh, Moon Knight thanks them for their help, and they bring Anubis's wife. I did like that whole moment where he was like, yeah, but, you know, I thought you guys were, you know, gone. And Jake Lockley, Moon Knight's like, bro, come on. When, when you need us the most... When you are really down and out, we're here. Yeah. No matter what, no matter what you think, we'll leave you alone. That's what they're basically oh, saying. Yeah, it's like, we'll leave you alone. We won't really like torture you and make you feel mentally unstable. But when you truly, truly, truly need us, we'll be here. Yeah. We know we can't always be with you now, but we'll be here when you need us, Mark. Yeah. And I, I, I genuinely love that because I looked at that as... Not just a commentary, because this can all be looked at as a commentary to schizophrenia and DID and BPD and all that. But I just thought genuinely as um, in the realm of comic books, like take it for a story wise. I think that was genuinely beautiful. Yeah. Where the dude, he like he thought he got rid of it. He got rid of these voices in his head, these, these split personalities. And when he did get rid of them. He felt happy for a moment, but then he also realized that he's not whole. Yeah, he those, wanted to get rid of them are, to be whole, yeah. but they needed to be there for him to be whole. They were they are his coping mechanisms in many ways. And when if you've ever had a coping mechanism, oh, yeah. whether good oh, or yeah. bad, you know, um, you know what they're like when they're gone. It, the, and it, it's hard. I feel it's like coping hard. mechanisms good or the the terms of good and bad of it depends on the perspective of the person that is yeah, introduced to these coping mechanisms because I could say my coping mechanism is drinking every day, and you can look at it as like, yeah, but is that like that's bad, right? But then when you when I look through it of my eyes, it's like, well, all I'm doing is having like two, three beers a day. Sure, the beers add up in the end, right, right. and it makes the fat around the liver and do the ends justify the means? You know, are you yes, still, like you'll yes. say, you can sit there and be like, well. Every time I drink, I stay at home and I don't hurt anybody and I don't, you know, I, I'm not. But I'm not you're any also risk to anybody. killing yourself slowly. So, but it's also the same thing with with um, Mark Spector. He's created yeah. these altars to allow himself to live what is perceived to be a full life. He's not hurting anybody, but is it really safe? Is it well, really? If you're hurting yourself, can but you is really? He, is he hurting himself? Yeah, think so. Physically, no, no, no. He's not out there putting a needle in his arm every day. 
But your mental health, your brain, your innards, that is just as important as your physical appearance. Just because I'm not coming to you with a black eye. Yeah. Doesn't mean that I don't have an internal black eye. But what I'm trying to say is those black eye, those internal black eyes were created by Kanju. Well, now it's now we you know, know what I'm saying. No, we know yeah. it as that. Yeah, yeah. And so, if he's now needed to create altars to, you understand? Know like it's not like he's it's the running makeup over the black it's not eye. Him, it's not him running from his own mistakes. Is what I'm trying to say. He didn't yeah. create these altars to so that he wouldn't be able to be accountable. For his own actions that have gotten him there. He's doing this to to, to hide, to, to shield his brain from this Egyptian god that's been plaguing him since pre-teens. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. 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 And when you look at it through that way, it's, it's kind of jacked up. But also this whole thing about like, we'll still be there when you need me. It, it reminds me that if you've ever honestly dealt with mental health in your life, um, any one of these uh, disorders... And stuff, you know that there's no cure for mental health. No, there isn't. It is an ongoing war you will fight for the rest of your that's life. That's it. No, there, um, yeah, that there isn't. There is no. That, that's it. You, you have it. You have it. Yeah. So you it's just about gotta deal with it. It's about having knowledge of it and learning to live with it and learning to not let it define you. And um, that that's what he's doing. He felt like he had to. This is. I felt like he he poured the pills down the drain with the altars. When he killed them, you understand? Oh, he wanted, but he realized that he needs to take and the I've, medication. He can't I've just be too. cured. He can't just be cured. Uh, he, he he he's not that lucky. He doesn't get to. He doesn't get to have There's, it as like, as someone that suffered like literal, like actually diagnosed. Not myself. I mean, doctor wise. Yeah, actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression and and insomnia, like stuff like that. It's. It it hit. It's not that it hits home because it does. It's just I can understand where it's where where are, where they're coming from when they try to portray something like this. Yeah, and it's like God damn, you're trying your hardest to just be normal. Just yeah, whatever you think normal is, you're right. just trying your hardest to just be whatever you feel the world defined normal to be, and you have all of these people around you. Telling you, no, you're crazy. Sorry, you're yeah. sorry, buddy. I know you're, you. You want to be no, no. You're because my family did it to me too. I'm normal. I'm normal. I'm, I'm sorry, Daniel. You want to be normal, but you're not. You have this and this and that. It's like, but in the same oh, but sense, who are you to tell? Yeah, me? in the yeah. same sense, they're not normal either because there is no, there is no out and out normal. You know, and when you learn, when you when you are able to understand that we are all dealing with a version of Kanchu, a version of trauma that never goes away that always rears its head in the worst times that will always seemingly make us doubt ourselves and make us feel you can be horrible happy as hell for two weeks and then all of a sudden one one minor inconvenience that you have no dish and conchu shows up but also doesn't help that conchu is an egyptian god and mark Spector's jewish and oh, the yeah. egyptians used the jews in a slave manner yeah that's so true. it doesn't help and they talk about you know the, the the idea of slavery and slaves is brought up especially in the other void so you know, they, oh yeah, they're, no, they're yeah, those, that kind of stuff as well. They basically went because that's what that's what it was. And in, I don't know if this is six one six, so I'm not going to speak to this as a six one six. But they're basically saying that this Earth didn't have Egyptians. Egyptians, they're ancient Egyptians that we know in our history is aliens. Yeah, they. But came that's down. that whole thing about like Thor saying in the movie that what they call science. Magic, we call or, it magic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just an interpretation from a certain point of view. From a certain point of view. Um, nabbing that guy uh, for the heroin in 
um, Saudi Arabia allows Mark to get brought in by the big boss, Bushman, who's like, we're going to make some money. And it's, he's a terrifying individual. That paint, that face paint is horrifying. I feel like I've seen that design, though, in like so many comic books that cover Cairo and Egypt. Yeah. Like how many comic books well, he's really been have around. mercenaries go to Egypt? Like, oh, Well, the idea, like I, I think a lot. Like, honestly. no, am I wrong or how many mercenaries I, I th- go I mean, to Egypt? I was in, the, I was in um, the Middle East for two different tours and... Yeah, man. If you can get some, some hired muscle that that's off the grid to do what you got to do, there's a lot of shady shit. There's a lot of shady shit that goes on in those companies. And if you have wealth, you know people got people that they people hire mercenaries to topple governments, to you know transport drugs, weapons, all kinds of stuff. You know, so I, I buy it. Um, we. Uh, we we get a moment of Crowley and Mr. Knight. And Mr. Knight's like, yo, you should go to Gina's and uh, hang out there. Um, you know, I, I got things I got to do. Thank you for helping and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, and even um, Anubis and his wife are like, yo, bro, don't leave. Like, <laughs> the world sucks out there. And he's like, I got to, man. This is this is the only path for me. I have to go fight Conchu. I have to go back to the hospital. And we yeah. see him walking through like this this tomb again and then we get this trippy imagery of him on a mind on a brain and he falls yeah. through the cra- the cracks and the crevices the the, the, brain. What, the cortexes yeah in a sense and um we get another like a more modern take on the origin where you know they are near the Sudanese egyptian border it's uh John Paul, it's the Bushman, it's um Mark Spector, and the whole idea is like, you know, Bushman hired Mark Spector. The idea is this is supposed to be like an easy situation, but Raul instantly gets antagonistic, instantly starts putting out weapons, instantly starts threatening people, stabs um, you know, the archaeologist that's there, um, which is a big fucking deal. So Mark punches him in the face, and th- this basically unfolds the events where Bushman le- basically beats Mark damn near to death and then leaves him to die and then forces Frenchie to fly him to this tomb of Khonshu where they're supposed to get a bunch of, you know, Egyptian artifacts. You know, and if you know anything about Egypt, Egypt you don't want to mess with them artifacts. But also, people have been pillaging that place forever. You know, like going back and finding tombs and stealing things. And All the way back, back with Brendan tombs. Fraser. Yeah. So, um... You have that this, this imagery of Moon Knight or Mr. Knight getting sucked into his own brain. And then when he's in there, all he sees is darkness and a moon. And Conchu's like, just touch it. Just come out and touch it. Idea basically. Just like, touch it. Like, if you, once he touches the moon, they will switch consciousnesses, is what I believe. I believe Conchu uh, showed him Might, where maybe, he would. Yeah. I think Conchu showed him where he would remain if they switched, you know? You can stay here with the brain and the big shiny moon, and I will take care of your body. But Mark's like, nah, I'm not, I didn't come back here to join you. I came back here to kill you. And he throws his little moon orang things. They smash into the moon, and um, he crawls out of it. Like I said, the imagery here, he like crawls out of his own brain, ends up back in the train station. Um, we go over the events again, like I said, where Bushman leaves uh, Mark to die. And very similarly, we get scenes of Mark as Moon Knight. And, I'm sorry, Mark as Mr. Knight and Mark in his origin being called to 
by this demon, this 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 Egyptian god of Kanchu. And um Jake Lockley, I thought that was pretty cool. Jake and um Steven show up in the desert. Yeah. Because he's basically dying of multiple things, dehydration. And he's just like, like, oh, this is it for me. I'm yeah. out, I'm out of here. Goodbye. Just like crawling. Yeah. And like I said, the entire time, Conchu's going, you know, just a little bit more. Come on, you could be reborn. Come my to son, me. Come just to me. follow me, my son. And then we kind of get events like how we saw in the beginning of the story, where he sees the tomb, he's being called out, he comes up to him, and um, he promises, Moon Knight promises all this stuff. In real life, Mark is Mr. Knight, and he's walking back through the hospital. He sees Dr. Emmett, he sees Billy, he sees... Um, and... Um, he is being brought on the table to get electric shock therapy. And yeah, it's just flashing all through between his origin and um, his current events. And at one point he says something like, he explains it. This is a flashback, Mark. It is being intercut with the present. Time means little here. So past and present intermingle. They blend together and become one, just like different aspects of your broken mind. The moment of your birth is here and there. It is then and now. All the times lead to this instance. And that's the penultimate issue. Yeah, I will, like, I will rid you of yourself. I will hollow you out and make you my perfect vessel. And we get, we see what happens. And this is what I was talking about, right? Where you see him get up and go, <gasps> and then Marty's like, what the fuck? You just died. And he's like, no, no, I'm good. That guy saved me. And now I'm going to take his coat or his, uh, you know, thing. Um, They try to electric shock therapy him, but he snaps out of his restraints and oh no, he legit snap snaps yeah, like he rips through him. Yeah, he goes fucking ham here. They don't show what he does to Emmett, but Emmett is killed. Yeah. He says that he's gonna enjoy it, but we don't see what happens. Oh, he definitely did the whole uh, Rorschach from Watchmen thing with the with the short guy. He definitely pulled one of those. And I love that now the relationship between him and Conchu has become antagonistic. Um, you know, he says that he is um Because he finds when he goes to the other void, we didn't bring up his when he goes to the other void, he sees Seth in jail. No, I did that. I brought that up. Oh, then my brain just completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we, yeah. We, we spoke Seth's about in this. Jail. That he he called him. His, we were talking about he called him his pup. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. He, he's like you're you're basically conscious puppy. So go run back to him because you go think, puppy bye puppy. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like you think that you think that, that it just I bugged, was the one it doing all this. Me out that it bugged him out because he just shows up. He's like Seth, but you're behind all this. What? But you're behind all this. Well, he's blamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seth, wait, am, am I truly behind all this, or is my brother just making you his his lap dog? Like, yeah. God damn. And Conscious says, "Moon Knight, Mark. I don't think so. You can't be Moon Knight without me." And Mark says, "Oh, but we can. We've outgrown you, Conchu. And he says, "Insolent pump, pup. Come to me then, Moon Knight. I'm waiting." And Mark shows up, and they're on a roof together. Face to face. And he says, Conchu. He goes, Mark Spector, Jake Lockley, Stephen Grant. You really think you can defeat me? And Mark says, oh, we're not just going to beat you, Conchu. We're going to break you. And Conchu, being a di- being kind of a dick, transports them back to the moon. And there's like a werewolf out of nowhere, but he's just messing with them. Uh, oh, yeah. And then Bushman comes out of yeah, nowhere. Bushman comes out of nowhere as well. And tries to fight him, and then he's surrounded by all of his enemies. Oh yeah, you see all of his Scar- rogue yeah, Scarlet, whatever her name is, Scar- stained glass, Star- Scarlet. Stain- Stain- yeah, I know. Jesus, Christ. Um, the Midnight Man, Just all of them. Move on. 
Just move. You had to keep going. Just move. After you got to Stained Glass Scarlet, I can't no more with these 70s, 80s names. And then you get, like, I literally just got goosebumps thinking of this moment because you, you know, he's the fake oh, Bushman. Him. Well, the, the fake Bushman goes to stab him. And he says, uh, no, I know what you are. I know what you really are. You're that thing in my mind that is wrong. You're my madness, nothing more. And everything disappears. And he goes, you are nothing more than that. And I'm not scared of you anymore. And Kanchu literally says, no, no, like, 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 no, like. Yeah, well, because you have to no. read it and interpret your own dialogue. Yeah. So I do see it as one of those. No. Yeah, basically. No. Yeah. No. Like, like, but, like, but, but it's almost like a quieter, like, oh, shit. Like, he figured out how to. Oh, you know? like, no. Yeah, that's exactly no. what it is, which is why those dots are there. Oh, you know the ellipses. The, the, yeah, when you see the ellipses, it's It trails off. No. Yeah, it, tra- it trails off. And huh? he says. Are you? Yeah. And he says, yes. I am sick. I know that. I will never be cured. This is always who I am. But I can still live. I can still have a life. And I won't let you ruin that for me anymore. And then Kanji says, please. We need this in the show. It better be in the show, this, man. This one, this is one of those um, pizza dog, I won't take no for an answer type moments. This is one of those, you can have whatever you want from, you You could not adopt the book, but give me the tracksuit mafia, you know, give me, give me the Kate Bishop being herself, like. Trick you, arrows. There's stuff like certain that. aspects of a character that need to stay in the translation. It can't. We can't afford to get lost in the translation. And this is why I'm very also mad with Miss Marvel. As much as Miss Marvel's personality, who Kamala Khan is, is going to translate into the show, it's like her ambit. We need the ambigan. Give yeah. me the ambigan. So for this, this whole mark being plagued by Kanchu and not knowing what's real and what's fake and going from one personality to another, this isn't a lost in translation moment. This is a if you don't have it in the show, I'm going to say that you lost a point. Yeah. You could have that. you could have great writing, great acting, and great characters, but if there's certain moments from the comics that you leave out, you're gonna lose a great rating. Yeah. It's like if you don't put your name on the SATs, you're gonna lose a hundred points. I need this moment. I sent you the You remember yeah. I sent I sent you this moment. It's one of the moments that people think about most when they think about this this entire run. Um when you look it up, it's 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 definitely there. It's perfect. It's him realizing that he's mentally insane and there's nothing he can do about it. So the best thing he can do is just live with the insanity. But he also still he's still in control. Yes. You know? He still he still he still can be in control. Um and so Kanchu says, please, you need me. And he grabs him by his head. He says, no, Kanchu. I am Mark Spector. And you see him as Mark Spector. He says, I am Stephen Grant. And you see him as Stephen Grant. And the thing is, when you see him <laughs> and as... Jake Lockley. And you see him when, as Jake Lockley. When you see him as Stephen Grant, you can see the pressure that Mark is applying to the skull is making it crack. Yeah. Yeah. You understand? And then when it gets to Jake Lockley, it's even it's more It's ready to shatter. And the, by that point, the beak has the cracks. Yeah. And he says, we are Moon Knight and we never needed you. And, and then he it's basically powder. smashes it into powder. And then he is back to just being Mark. And Mark remarks that he's it's quiet for the first time in a long time. Which honestly reminded me of the Doc Ock from uh, No Way Home. Yeah. Where I'm like, damn. That's but it's pr- also like as somebody who's who's dealt with like PTSD and stuff like that, that that's true. Your mind can just be a fucking... A, be- a hornet's nest. I'm actually more just afraid buzzing of a and- quiet mind. I don't. I've never actually said it out loud to anybody, and I'll say it to you and the fans here. Yeah. I've. This is like now the third instance 
of a character that suffers with mental health that's reveling in the quietness of his mind and that's a fear of mine peace is what it is it's a, it's a level of peace pe- that i you guess can i guess peace can be scary definitely because like there's been moments in where i'm just like if my mind is absolutely si- for nothing just silent what does that mean for me who am who am i well, that's Who a, am I? It's an interesting perspective and like, you know, not to bring up the leftovers again, but, you know, there's a moment there where, you know, uh, Kevin is talking to Nora and says, you know, you need your children to be gone because, because then you, yeah, then be you nothing. won't be able to, you know, you, you won't, you won't be able to live the he life that you're She living. won't have an excuse to continue being the way she is if her kids aren't gone. And, and that's, that's why, what happens to people. That's like, why she gave up the newborn baby or whatever. Some though. people I feel like do surround themselves in drama because if they didn't, what would they do? Hi, on my own drama. Well, what would you do? You know, what what would they do? You know, and so I think that um, I think it's very interesting this level of peace that he's able to have because you know he's it's not going to be quiet forever. It's just quiet right now, and like I said, you you hope for these moments in mental health, these breakthroughs, these moments of clarity where you can just feel everything you're supposed it's to. It's feel. just a scary thing. It's just like your mind's when a scary fucking place, bro. When your mind, but but. There's a difference between your mind being, but not having nothing on your mind, and then your mind legit being quiet. I know what that means. Like, well, you could, li- it's pitch black. You're in your room. You're laying down, and even with no distractions and your eyes are closed, you still hear everything. You see everything. You see your hopes, your dreams. You see the things that tormented you ten years well, yeah, ago. Well, yeah, especially things on your mind. Yeah, you 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 can run around in circles. In your own mind so about the idea of my mind just being quiet, man. It's like, can't can I? Do I deserve that? Can I? Yeah, I think it's something that people. Can should, I? I think it's something that people should fight for. You know, um, just like with Mark here, you're gonna have to fight hard. You know, you're going to have to be honest with yourself and kind of courageous in, and kind of call yourself out on occasion. Bring your alters in, speak yep. to yourself, and be like, "Hey, guys, you know, I know, I know you guys were essential parts of my life." To get me up until this point, but to get to where I want to get now, you know, I'm going to need another version of me, a different version of me that sees things differently than is willing to sacrifice other stuff. It, it's hard, and but it all has to make sense to you. That logic of the mind is fucking powerful. And um, I'm just glad that this book ends this way. It seemingly ends with a um, a hopeful view of mental health. And it's it's almost like satisfying in a sense where it's. He's he's Mark Spector. He'll always be Mark Spector. He's born Mark Spector. But it's also funny. It's like our names weren't chosen by us. We had no say in it. Did you want to be named George? Because I didn't want to be named Daniel. I think I'd rather be Kevin. Right. Or or Richard, you know? Like, you know, like we didn't have that say. So he is Mark Spector, sure. But the the way the way he was Mr. Knight at mm. that ending where he's like looking up into the moon and he's like adjusting his tie. And That's he has still another smart... altar, isn't it? It's still another No, Mr. Knight is an alias. There's right, a... but what I mean is that what I mean is like he's still oh, behind he the mask. That... He's yeah, still behind. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also a big thing when it comes down to comic book characters that I think not uh, has been touched on before, but not many either A touch on it or B talk about it where most of these comic book characters that were that we love as much as they're given the name peter parker and bruce wayne and, and scott free that's not who they are anymore past their tragedy when it comes down to the 
You know, Peter Parker died the day Uncle Ben died. Bruce Wayne died the day his parents died. Most of these people throw all of who they are, what they stand for, their morals, into their alter ego to the point that their alter ego becomes their personality. I think that happens a bit stronger for um, vigilantes because they're willing to give give away that part of their life, their personal part of it. Like Frank Castle. I don't think there's any more regular Frank Castle. No. Like I believe that he's Punisher through and through. But I feel like the the good superheroes, the ones that are mostly on the side of good, have a healthy distinction yeah, but between... Even look at Superman and Lois. Even someone like Superman that, that can understand and fight for that balance, not have that balance. I mean, what I think there are... I think there are definitely portrayals and depictions of Superman that don't have that balance, but I would argue that possibly Superman Lois has the biggest version of that balance because he's constantly just Clark. No, he's he constantly, is, no, he is constantly just Clark. It's not like he's always in the Superman suit, but what I mean to say is, okay, Jordan steals from a store, mm-hmm. like, and Lois needs to have a conversation with Jordan and, and her husband, his father, about stealing. But halfway through the conversation, Clark just goes, wait a minute. Sorry, I got to go to Beijing real quick and stop. But the thing is, I don't think he would. I think he literally would sit there and have that talk. But in the, uh, you, no, the, in the show, he has left like e- like big family moments where but he's Lois also understands. Had, but he's also had those talks with his kids. He's never left mid-talk with the child. No, he has not. Le- like With everybody else, yes, he has not like yeah. left mid-conversation of him trying to put his foot down as a father. And there may not but be a nuke in, a, in China happening when that happens, but somebody's choking on something somewhere. You know, so it they, did put a strain in him and Lois's relationship where they couldn't even have a date night yeah. without him having to leave. So it's like as superheroes, when you it's like with cops cops are the same way too. When the mission's cop, too big. You are the cop. Yeah. Your your name might be Richard, but you're not Richard when you're in that uniform. And that uniform, that, that You represent that something cost, bigger than yourself. And it becomes instance. Your identity, who, what people see you as and perceive you to be, is your social identity. Who you are is who you want. That's who and you I, and thing, I think bringing all that around, Mark is now finally in control of who, what Moon Knight is perceived to be, because he, I think he let Conchu let people see him as this, as ABC, and he's XYZ, and the versions that we've saw. You know, the ver- the different versions of Jake and all that kind of stuff that we saw. It's almost like he's never had control. He's always been a puppet on the string. He finally cut the strings. He may not live much longer. You understand? Or he may not live much happier, but he will always live it free now. And that's the choice we have to and make sometimes. And I think sometimes. that's a big thing, too. It's like, will, we, will you live forever? No. Will you live for the next three months? Eh, maybe not. Will you live free and happy? Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell, that, that, and for us as humans with a conscious mind, that sometimes that's all that matters. It's a scary jump. I could die tomorrow, but I'm happy right now. Yeah. If I die on Tuesday, I know that I had the greatest weekend in my life. Yeah. So it's like, I'm with them. I'm now with I, you on that. I feel you. And like I said, it's, it's about many victories. He says that things are quiet for now. He doesn't say it'll be quiet forever or he doesn't make a victory speech about how the next 20 years are going to be fantastic. Right there, like you just said, in that moment, things are good and that's enough to celebrate then. And, uh, you know, obviously there are multiple Moon Knight comics and they'll be doing more Moon Knight comics. I think there's actually coming out with a, a limited series called Moon Knight White, Black and Blood or Black, Black and Red or something like that. I think that's, that's for it. Like I'm going to have to read much more up on him, especially with Warren Ellis and Bendis, two guys that are very much like known, known their for fears, their writing. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely going to have to read much more on him. But this just 
this honestly seems like a character that is just not in control of his own not in control but yeah no not in control of his own eyes eyes yeah his own vision like i usually am not a fan of origins being rewritten to be fate like i i like i don't like this idea that there are spider totems on every planet I like that it was okay. a complete accident out of the out of the blue. Yeah, so so you're not Peter a fan Parker, that even in another world, Joker still happens, even if it's his mom, even if it's Bruce Wayne's mom, Joker's Batman and Joker still have to have that. Yeah. Or they were fated to be brothers, right? In 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 the Joker film. Yeah. Or they were fated to or Joker was always fated to kill and then create Batman. Cre- kill the Waynes and then you, create Batman. You don't Batman. like origins turning into destiny, into yeah, fate. Right. I, I don't like that. But when you think about against things like Conchu, I think it totally makes sense and it makes it because Because con- either bigger. A Conchu is fucking with him and he actually is standing on that rooftop in a better place than he was before. Or he's looking out the window of in Bellevue. Another, in another illusion, yeah. Yeah, he's just in Bellevue, sucking down fucking Lamictal. That's oh, it, man. Jesus, this is one of the. This is one of my favorite books that I have. I'm not gonna put this in like my top five of all time or like a top ten or anything. But this is definitely one of those recently read comics that is just became like the best thing I ever read. The whole thing, the whole point, and this is why we do this podcast and this is why we share these stories is that, you know, a good run like this can help you want to know more about that character. Oh, 100%. You if you could, if you can get through this, you could continue looking up on Moon Knight. This probably, these 14 issues is the most quintessential that you would need for it's the like TV. It's like a cheat sheet. Yeah, for the TV show. Yeah, it's like a cheat sheet. Everything, everything that you need to know about these altars and Contra and all that stuff is in this. Um, and I guess we should talk a little bit about the TV show before we wrap things up. We saw several trailers. It looks like they might be doing some portions of this, like the other Void. Um, you know, we see Conchu. Oh, Conchu looks great. Yeah. Conchu legit actually looks really good. Scary, I wonder, too. I wonder if he's going to torment him. I wonder if he's going to be that devil on the shoulder stuff. It would be really cool if he is. I'm loving the fact that, that like, you know, they're doing the contact lens yeah. aspect of it where like he's seeing like he puts his mask on and he sees these bad guys but he takes the mask off and he sees people it looks like they're going that route in a much more realistic sense well it's funny because jake lockley oh sorry stephen grant who he perceives who we are going who i perceive is who we're going to meet first he would have no memory of of being damn near killed in egypt and thus making a deal with Conchu. yeah and so when he will be terrorized by Contra because he doesn't understand what you know, like where he's coming from and what he's doing. Uh, yep, yep, yep. And so I think we're eventually going to get that uh, concurring storyline of like both the origin and current events at the same time. You know, we'll get Mark to tell uh, Stephen, <laughs> you know, uh, Oscar Isaac will talk to himself and he will be told as to how all this happened and stuff like that. I really hope we get like the 20s noir detective narration with Jake Lockley. Yeah. Because especially the way the artwork was in this book, Jake Lockley does seem like the... She was a dame. I don't know why I fell in love with that dame. You just put the uh, taxi driver score. Oh, my God. Listen, that is one of the greatest scores ever. (laughs) But that's uh, Francesco uh, Francavilla, 
who did the Jake Lockley artwork for issues five through nine. Well, the Jake Lockley artwork is literally amazing. It's, the color is really good, man. It's that's what I'm saying, right? It's it's the purple and the green and the red. It it's the way you know what it is. Look at the line work, and look how that line work is drawn, where it almost feels noir. It feels like somebody had a specific error of artwork in mind, and they went with it. Yeah, I can see that. And you do. You half expect to to hear Jake Lockley being like, she was a dame, and here I am, <laughs> over having my cappuccino and my apple pie, and she comes into my diner. Why did why why would she come into of all, my of all di- diners? Of all the diners in all the cities and all the world, she walks into mine. Well, the great part is of all the podcasts in the world, they've listened to this one, and thank you guys for doing so. You guys must have been ready to get through some Moon Knight, and we were too. This drops the episode that the pilot drops, so we haven't seen it yet. The pilot really does drop Wednesday. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, the pilot drops Wednesday, um, and so. People will be listening to this. Hopefully, if you want to get some background on the character, uh, find out a little bit of what might be to come. But regardless, yeah, chances are if you're a if you're a Moon Knight, you know, if you're a Night Owl, wink yeah. wink, you will definitely have already seen the first episode of Moon Knight because then this drops at around like maybe eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, George. Yeah, and this becomes a, a spoiler list episode that truly, you can it just... becomes spoiler list. Yeah, you can just listen to this episode and maybe some of the things we spoke about will have occurred. And that'd be super cool. Maybe they will occur in the future, which is also super cool. Maybe they won't happen at all. Well, it's a six-episode cool event, well. so fingers crossed that they don't drop two episodes in one. I think it's just, to my knowledge, it should just be the one. Okay, because, you know, uh, Hawkeye was a six-episode event, but we only got Hawkeye for a month. Because there really was, there was really only four weeks of next week's episode, like, because we got two in one, so... Hopefully we get one episode and not two or three. Not only do we, not only is every episode dropping on a different month, but I don't even have um, titles. I don't even have episode titles, bro. Yeah, because you know what? The episode titles that they're going to drop next week is not going to be the episode titles of the episode. Watch. They're going to do some weird Moon Knight-esque. I'm telling you, they're going to do some weird thing where you're thinking it's this, but your brain is playing tricks on you. So you're thinking the episode is called such and such, and it's called so and so. Watch. Trailer looks really good. The trailer music, does they, look they, good. They look, you look, looks really good. It's the day and night that's cracking me up. Like every time something's happening, you just get that day and night. But night. that that book, that song is kind of about that, about not being able to distinguish. The lonely stoner wants to free my con- mind. What happens with constant um, insomnia? Is you can get into a form of psychosis. Oh yeah, if, four days without—I think it's four days or three days without sleep. Yeah, straight three straight days without sleep, you will start to hallucinate. Right, and so like I think that was what Cuddy was talking about. Um, and then you have this stuff with Moon Knight. So yeah, it works so well. Now look at this. We've covered um, X Men Apocalypse, and you know Oscar Isaac was in that, and didn't seem to have much fun in that. Um, you know, and then he did Star Wars, and he didn't seem to have much fun in that. So I'm hoping that this is going to be the third time, the, the charm. Well, I mean, for... I saw Ex Machina, and he definitely had fun in that. He yeah. was, and he looked like he had fun in Into the Spider Verse, and he's going to be in the sequel to that as well. So wait, which I thought that he's... was Jake. I thought that was Jake Johnson. He's um, uh, Miguel O'Hara. Oh, in the second one. Well, he's in the post credit for the in the post credit. Okay, he's in the post credit, and then yeah, he'll be in the second. Because I was like, wait a minute, that's Jake Johnson. That's that's Nick from New Girl. Yeah, yeah. But no, uh, he'll he'll be in that. But I think this could be the third time's the charm for him, and I really hope it is because I think he's a great actor and I think he can get this off the ground. 
But, we, you know, by the time this drops, we will have already seen whether or not this is possible. So join us for that because in May, when the last episode of this airs, we will get on to some Moon Knight talk. And um want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast up up until this point. Um, it's been a lot of fun and reading some of these issues, reading these Lemire books back to back has been really, really kind of eye opening as far as the scope of what this writer's capable of doing. He really, a lot of times the details don't matter more so than how he makes you feel about these characters. So it's been really cool to kind of get into all that kind of stuff and just Moon Knight in general. So join us uh, next week. We'll be talking about Morbius, whether we like it or not. Um, But you know that you can catch that episode and all the episodes of Comic Book Clicks podcast major issues at comicbookclick.com. It's the one stop for everything Comic Book Click, our merchandise, articles written by us, t-shirt designs by us. Um, so we have everything that is Comic Book Click is there. Over 200 episodes of the Major Issues podcast. Um, so that's the one stop to find everything for Comic Book Click. If you already have a podcast app on your phone like Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, to find Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, uh, Podbean, Spotify, pandora facebook podcast um we're on all those so you don't have to get a brand new uh podcast listener app to check us out if you have spotify we're on that like listen people i'm tired of my friend making excuses we've been making excuses for you guys for now four years we're on facebook yeah and it's not like you close the facebook app and you don't hear the podcast no more no there's a little picture in picture mini thing yeah thingy so we're on facebook people that's it we 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 were we we stopped being able to give excuses when we had our own website. We stopped being able to give excuses when we ended up on Pandora. I just tried letting, letting people know that we no, are accessible course, wherever just, they it, choose to find us. But imagine you, someone comes up to you and says, "Wait a minute, you have a podcast? Where can I find your podcast? Facebook." I had Facebook. somebody actually bring that up the other day, and then I told them what the podcast was, and I told them just put it into Google, and they were like, "Wow, I am very impressed." Several, uh, you know search results have come up and it's all your podcast and well, like, we're yeah. the, you know we're the if you type in major issues we're the first page to come right up because we're always talking about the newest hottest latest and greatest things that come to comic books and comic book media always so make sure you join the conversation by going to facebook.com slash comic book click instagram at comic book click or you using the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest hottest latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media i've been to the future it kind of it kind of was an other void event uh so in case you want to get chased so by was a that the faced, future or were you just being all I'm saying is, unless you want to get chased by a bird-faced Egyptian god, don't ask me the details of the future, <laughs> but I know we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media, so uh, get on the bandwagon before the bandwagon gets full. We provide this and even things like CBC Reactions every week um, free of charge. Uh, all we ask is that you can share and, and rate, on, rate and review us on iTunes because it's the quickest way we grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't. Um, you can do all that free of charge. If you're considering helping monetarily, the two best ways are is buying our merchandise, which you can, when you go to comicbookclick.com, hit that shop CBC uh, in the navigation, and it'll take you to our T Public, where you can get exclusive designs by us. The other way you can um, help us support us monetarily is becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. For as little as $3 a month, 10 cents a day, you could help us keep our lights on here and purchase the hardware and the software we need to provide better content. We are trying to up the ante with the kind of things we're giving you guys in 2022. 
Last year, CBC Reacts wasn't a thing. A couple years ago, Major's Podcast wasn't a thing. A couple years ago, ComicBookClick.com wasn't a thing. Let's see what's going to be a thing in the future. So join us and join us next week for Morbius, whether you like it or not. Uh, but my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the vacation man. And this has been a fully in-studio episode of the Major Issues podcast, talking about Jeff Lemire's new Moon Knight in a recap or a review. And remember, whether you're Mark Spector, Jake Lockley, or Stephen Grant, whether you are the fist of Conchu, just a Jewish boy in Chicago, or a man with mental issues just hoping to get better and feel better one day, Remember, we can all fight the demons in our mind. Remember, all of us will have a clear head one day. And always remember that you, yes, you are worthy.